So hi, and thanks for coming on the Stories of Northern Life podcast. Um, I'm chatting with Tova, and you are the head of marketing and communications, if I have that right, uh, for Fringe Fest. And she is a large part of what puts together Fringe and coordinates all the Fringe Festival events and so much more. So first, I want to talk about what is French for those that do not know. Sure, I'm great to be here this morning. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to be here and talk about French because I think it's a, a really uh, a huge movement in the rest of the world and we're kind of growing here in Sault Ste. Marie. So it's super exciting to um, invite folks in Northern Ontario to understand a little bit more about it. So Fringe Festivals started in Edinburgh, Scotland in the early 1940s and um, were a, a response by a group of performing artists, of theater artists, against a, an international arts festival that was being presented, and they felt really left out. They felt like, mm, how's a way I can uh, share this as an example? Okay, so it would be like if Broadway hosted a theater festival and only the Broadway caliber artists were invited. And so then the other artists, the artists on the fringes, if you will, who were doing things that were maybe non-traditional theater, maybe something a little bit um, atypical from what you would normally see, maybe something exploratory or challenging in its content, um, those sorts of things. And, and so this group of artists said, well, there's no reason why we shouldn't be at this festival too. We're gonna just have our own. So while this you know, high-end festival was happening, they ran their own little parallel festival and it happened in, you know, the room above a bar and in a storefront and in places like that. And the response was astounding. And so it, it started to grow as a movement. And before too long, you started to see fringe festivals pop up around the rest of the world. Um, we saw some pop up in the UK, we saw them pop up in Australia, across Europe, and finally here in Canada with um, Edinburgh Fringe joining the global fringe movements and then a whole bunch of others joining in direct you know, response to that. Here in Ontario, the first one was Toronto Fringe and it's kind of the, um, the biggest Ontario festival that we have. But there are currently, I think about 350 fringe festivals that happen annually worldwide. It's a massive movement. There's like millions of people who go to these festivals as audience, it supports hundreds of thousands of artists. And if I was going to kind of encapsulate Fringe in a couple of sentences, what I would say is that it's festivals created by artists for artists mm -hmm. with the mandate to support artists. 100% of box office take goes back to the artists who perform 100%. And that's at every festival. And that you should always expect the unexpected because this is emerging artists. These are artists who are doing something a little different from what they normally do or who are you know, bringing something new to the fore, lots of multidisciplinary work, lots of creative collaboration and uh, lots of shows that you wouldn't see somewhere like a Broadway. It makes it really exciting. Definitely, definitely. And when did it start in the Sioux? When did that movement take place? 
We incorporated in 2016 after months of chitter chatter, and I was one of the co-founders of a very small but dedicated team who wanted to push this forward. And we had our first festival in 2017. We ran three consecutive festivals and then had to pivot a little bit as many arts and other organizations did for in response to COVID um, and then came back as a digital festival in 2021. And then 2022 saw us back as a hybrid model. So we've we've had real success with that digital piece. And so now we'll do digital and live and make sure that that's always part of how we meet accessibility mandates. Yeah, that's awesome. So how does your role kind of evolve um, throughout mm -hmm. working with Fringe? So the, what, what folks don't get to see when I just deliver my title is the multiple hats that I wear. Because we have been a small team and we are a small team, all of us wear more than one hat. So at the moment, my official title for this past um, 2023 festival was the head of marketing and, and community engagement. I'm also the president of the board and I tend to behind the scenes do a little bit of everything. So I work a little bit as a producer. Um, I do a lot of that community engagement piece, but I also support our treasurer in, in that piece of things. And, you know, really just wherever is needed. I'm often on the social media stuff. I'm doing, the, you know, whatever community appearances that we need to do. And one of my favorite things is just getting out and talking to folks and connecting with artists and making sure that people hear about and try to get a sense of what we're doing here yeah. so that they consider coming to Fringe as a presenter. Definitely. So would you consider yourself an artist? For sure. Although the creative piece of that for me is shelved. I've been doing this facilitation piece for about 10 years and um before that, and in my early years of, of becoming an artist, like I've worked in the theater since I was just a kid, got my start here in the Sioux, doing lots of community theater stuff, went to um, school at Laurentian and got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater and music, always around performance for me, but really trying to learn both sides of it. On stage, backstage, technical stuff, the production stuff, I just really wanted to work. So I said yes to lots. And, you know, moving forward, down to Southern Ontario for a while, I got a chance to work with Toronto Fringe and work with some other really big arts organizations and started to understand the connection piece for me. I wasn't gonna go out there and make a bunch of money as an artist. Quite frankly, I don't have the drive. I just wanna do it because I love it, but that like grind wasn't for me. So I got into big events and I got into catering and I got into um, what I now understand to be events and public relations and was able to learn how to be an arts presenter, arts organizer, and bring in some of those other skills that I was learning. And so now I, I really work more in that facilitation side of things, um, creating and presenting arts-based events and helping to connect folks through that communication piece, um, all centered around growing the arts in Northern Ontario. Definitely. So like, what do you see the biggest impact from Fringe for the community of the North specifically? Great question. That's a great question. I was just talking about this, about this with my team because some of the feedback we got this year and that we've been getting from artists is how necessary and important it is to have a space like a Fringe Festival, somewhere that is committed to 
not to paying artists, but also committed to offering them a professional grade experience where they can walk into somewhere and they have a performance venue and they have promotional support and they have technical resources and they have mentorship if they need it and all those other pieces so that they can really just focus on their work. And I think that that, you know, folks often don't think about especially community level arts or emerging arts as professional. And we definitely don't think about the arts that way in Northern Ontario. And I think that Fringe is one of a growing number of organizations who are really looking at that and saying, listen, if we want creative folks to stay in Northern Ontario, to come to Northern Ontario and make their home here and to help us build and strengthen community, um, we're gonna need to do a little bit more than appreciate that you know the cousin of my sister did a musical this year and hooray for them so what happens when you start to shift that lens from oh they do it because they love it on the side and everyone should just work for free mm. to all the ways that you're presenting art and telling your stories are valuable and worth giving a financial value and equitable value to and and what that done does for artists and for the community and it really I think um there's so many examples where a fringe or something like it has come into a community and the community just said yes we're going to support this thing and then it it changed the dynamic and Hamilton is a really great example that I like to talk about here because they're a very similar resource-based city as us they're also a steel city yeah. and they went through a similar challenge where those resources weren't the core of economic development and of community strength anymore and people started to leave and the community started to shift a lot and so their leadership said hold on wait a minute what can we do here and driven by folks who worked at Hamilton Fringe but also lots of artists said what about committing to this being an arts and culture city? And so they did that and they rebranded as an arts and culture city. And now Hamilton is one of the fastest growing cities in Canada. Yep. And all the artists from Toronto moved there. And there is so much vibrancy and work happening. And I'm not saying that Fringe North is going to make Sault Ste. Marie the next Hamilton. But I do think that it's really important to look at places like that and see what happens when community says yes to recognizing the role arts and culture plays and that the that arts and culture connect us they are our heartbeat and they are the center of community even though we get lost in the you know economics of what a community needs at the core of it is just people trying to connect with each other as we tell each other our stories and that's arts and culture that's our history that's our legacy that's our sustainability and it might not be fringe north but it's got to be something that brings everybody together under that flag. And I think that Sault Ste. Marie is, is a great opportunity to say yes to supporting the arts, to saying yes to supporting creative, vibrant minds. Like that is the way of the future for, for a city like ours, where we often struggle to find those connection pieces because we're isolated, because we're small, because people work really hard to live here, you know, and uh, I think that we need those connection points in a really important way. Yes, 100%. I love what you said. Um, so I know you, I'm pretty sure you were the one who came to the museum and was like, we should build a partnership. I'd love to have the museum as a hub for some of these events. Um, so why did you choose to come to the museum and why did you think this was such a great place to start that connection? 
we've been working in the museum since the early days of Fringe. They were a venue for us. And back then it was just, could we put up a, a little theater space in here? Um, but the executive director at that time, Julia, was just really receptive and warm. I was like, yeah, absolutely, you can use the space. And we've evolved as the museum has evolved. Obviously there've been some leadership changes kind of on both sides of, of our two organizations. Um, but I just really saw what was happening at the museum and you and, and the team that works with you, you all have this really incredible mindset around what is community and why something like the museum that I think has a lot of, you know, stereotype around it where people are like, oh, that dusty old boring building, only old people want to go there. Forgive, please, for any folks who are, are elders and watching today, because I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but I think that there's just this assumption that it's not interesting to anybody but a very certain demographic, the folks who want to look back and remember fondly, right? Yeah. But I, I come to the museum with my kids all the time, and the, the changes that have happened there made me notice that, wow, this is a center of storytelling here in our community. First of all, the building is amazing and it offers a lot of flexibility for us to do. We ran multiple venues in and outside of that space this year and I could see some of that. Um, so physically the building just made sense for us. The team made sense because everybody was like, yes, we're all in for Fringe. And it was just really easy to have those conversations and not have to over explain what we were trying to do. Right because it fit with a lot of mandates and a lot of work that already seemed to be happening at the museum all around that community connection point. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've said to people when they've asked similar questions, why the museum? You know, you could be working at a theater center or somewhere you don't have to do maybe so much legwork, um, which we don't really have here yet that's accessible to community. So that's a piece of it, you know? And I, and I think that for me, what I often say to folks is that the museum is, the original house of our stories, right? And if what we do at Fringe North is invite people in to tell their stories in their way, it just makes sense to me that we would be in a space where our collective stories are kept and housed. And I like to think about history under through that type of a lens where it's not these boring facts and dusty artifacts, like interesting, yes, but that's not the purpose of why we carry history. Yeah. What are the pieces that engage? What are the pieces that connect? It's the stories that we pass forward. Oh, I found this old spoon in my backyard, but actually it belonged to this family and here's what was interesting about them and here's where they came from and now I'm storytelling. Yeah. That's a piece of theater. Yeah. Because theater is stories, arts are stories and so is what's happening there at the museum. So for me and then, you know, our team over here, it just made sense. It's a really beautiful fit and it's been working so well. Like I just love being at the museum. It, and and folks really responded to that this summer. People coming in maybe for the first time, maybe coming to the museum after not being there for a long time. And over and over and over again, I heard people say, wow, I could never have imagined that this could happen in a space like this. Now I want to come and do something here too. Yeah. So like big check mark, that's a win for me. If that's what happens for us out of this partnership, yeah, that's great. No, it's beautiful. I love seeing the space change and, and so many people go through and just so much art is being created in here. And a lot of what I do is packaging up those stories and trying to express them in different ways through our social media and through this podcast. So I love that. I just love, I love every aspect of having Fringe in here. 
Um, so I also talked to Will, um, the executive director at the museum while we were doing Fringe Fest. So I'm gonna add a little clip of him talking about the partnership as well in here. Okay. So I am here with Will, the executive director and chief curator at the Sioux Museum on the last night of Fringe Festival 2023. So I want to know, when did our connection to Fringe North start and how has it evolved over the years? Yeah, so uh, Fringe actually reached out to the museum before I was executive director and curator. It was uh, Julia Pishkevich, uh, who kind of initially created the connection with Tova and it was just really something that I thought we needed to con keep going forward, keep moving forward with, grow, expand. There's so much arts and culture in Sault Ste. Marie that this kind of festival is what we should be seeing every year. And it's just a perfect space for us here at the museum to have have these people, have the arts, have the culture as we are the community museum and the cultural hub of the city. Definitely. That's what makes this the museum such a great place for this kind of event that's awesome um what shows i know you're super busy when it comes to these kinds of events you don't always get to enjoy it but has there been any shows that you've seen and yeah what, what, what were they like do you enjoy them over the years i've definitely seen quite a few shows mostly the digital stuff because i usually end up being out front under the digital tent or i guess out back sorry but at the box office um this year i did get to see one the inevitable frankie green um, and it was really, really fantastic. It was kind of about the opioid crisis and addictions and mental health and dealing with trauma and trying to break out of that struggle. So it was kind of a really resonating piece with times that are current, I guess you could say. Awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I also got, I just got the privilege of just being around the scenes of the whole event um, through the museum perspective. And I have to compliment you on just how much poise and calm you have while you're running this event, because it's very intricate and you just have so much calm and poise about you. So I have to compliment you on that. Um, but I also I want to share that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how much, how many staff and volunteers do you have working for Fringe Festival and like who are these people and what roles do they cover and help out with? Sure, so I think really the most important person I need to talk about right now in our current team is Caitlin Townsend, um, who's a young woman who came in on a, on an employment subsidy, kind of in the awkward COVID years and was kind of rode through our leadership transition. I had I had left Fringe for a couple of years, the 2019 and 2020 years. And then in, by 2021, the board had asked if I would come back and, and uh, help adapt and, and refresh the vision. And at that point I got to meet Caitlin and just saw this drive and passion and a person who understood that stories are community and that, that in its essence is the arts. Um, and so I invited her to kind of jump in with me and and build rebuild this thing continue to build this thing okay. and uh so she was all in so she's been acting as our artistic producer for the last couple of years and I could not do this without her um I think she often doesn't get the recognition that she deserves because she works primarily remotely but I I could not if I ever wished that I could clone myself and have another person I, she did that for me and then brought all of these wonderful skills and experiences and knowledge that I didn't hold. And it's just been beautiful. Um, the last two festivals have been successful, due in no small part to her hard work. So we have a really 
amazing board as well who've been with me. There are seven of us on the board and we have folks from, everybody kind of is from Northern Ontario, from the area, but now living in other places as well. So we got folks who are here and then we get some folks who are living Sudbury, Toronto and um, out West. So they bring lots of different layers of experience, lots of different connection to other fringes. And it's really nice to have that kind of diversity on the board and diversity of thought and experience. And uh, they're just, they've just been all in with me as well. And really, again, it's a, a team, we feel like a little family, you know, and I trust these folks a lot. And I just feel them working so hard to lift me up in what we're doing and to lift fringe up. And I just really like, they're a pretty amazing group of folks. And uh, then we often, we always bring in a seasonal team. Um, the other year round staffer we had was Garrett Ryan. He was our, has been our artistic relations coordinator for the past couple of years. Also a fringe artist. He came to fringe with his production company bird on stage in, I want to say 2018 and has kind of like grown as an artist through our fringe relationships. So they've submitted something every year. We've had a festival since 2018 and, uh, we're finally able to come up live this year. And so Garrett also was here working and it's lovely to see him. I mean it when I say fringes are by artists for artists, because here's a great example of someone who came as an artist, who saw what we were doing, who just wanted to be part of that conversation. And now he's the person who connects with all of the artists that we're bringing in and makes sure they that we know what they need, that they are you know attentive to deadlines, that they're held in the way that they need to through this journey and does an incredible job. Um, there's so much connection there and he works remotely, but you would think that he was in the room with all of these people from the strength of the relationships. And then he also takes on our podcasts and roundtable stuff that we do online. Um, so we get to, to see and hear a lot of interesting things because of the work that Garrett does. So it's really exciting. And um we always bring in a summer team, thanks to Canada Summer Jobs. They've done really supported us right away since the beginning. So this year we had uh, nine, nine summer staff, is that right? <laughs> um, who came with us to the end of July. And then I think five of those nine, and I might not be saying the numbers right, but about half, three quarters of them came forward to festival. And then we were really lucky through a partnership through Sioux College, we're able to bring on some a team of young folks for the month of August as well. Um, so we had some high school and early college age kids, kids, <laughs> youth yeah. working with us. And then we had this kind of more university age team and they were really the ones, lots of them were from, they're all from Sault Ste. Marie originally, but now, you know, out going to school and doing different things. And I love when they bring their ideas and creativity in every summer because, you know, my university days are gone and I know that things have evolved so much since then. And for them to be able to bring that new excitement and immediate knowledge, um, it really helps. And then we are able to create each festival every year. So that was really fun. Um, so I think, yeah, we've got those nine plus seven on the board, plus me and Caitlin and Garrett, plus there's a whole bunch of us. Like we had seven of the youth come on. There's a ton of volunteers that join us every year. Uh, it's a, It takes a lot. It takes a lot of people. And I've done it with a very small team. Our early festival years, there was like four of us. Wow. But now we have support and resources. And I'm just here to like, bring as many people into it as possible. And if it means I can create one more job for someone to just like turn a light switch on and off, then I do that, you know? So we had a, a full technical team on board this year with 
four of them on board, um, all kinds of folks joining in and many of them artists or arts creators or interested in that. I don't think there was anybody on the team who just picked it up because it was a, a job for them. Right. Every single person who came in, even our volunteers who weren't quite, they're like, I just need community hours for my high school thing. Mm -hmm. By the end of it, we're like, wow, I didn't know that I was an artist too. And here's how I create. And I just watch these layers unfold for them. And that happens every summer. And it really happened this summer as we kind of had a, a really dynamic team come on board. And uh, I think gelled in a way that we haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a pretty amazing thing to see. And then I had all of them, even the youth who were on, you know, for 60 hours with us, even some of our volunteers who didn't quite know what was happening yet. By the end of it, I would hear them connecting with each other, with the other artists saying, hey, I also am an artist. Here's what I do. Here's how I create and understanding pieces of themselves in a different way. So that was really exciting kind of secondary, um, a, a secondary thing that happened, this really amazing goal that I didn't know was a goal until it was happening, you know, and uh, I love to see that. And that energy just extended throughout the audiences, throughout the artists. And it's, it's what I remember from Toronto Fringe on obviously a much bigger scale, but that, that integration and connection, fringes really are a family. Mm -hmm. And for folks who come out to them, it's immediately community right. and you're engaging with the artists and you're going to sit beside someone whose show is up tomorrow night, you know, and you're going to go outside and have a beer with somebody who worked for the festival and now wants to talk about it. And you, you just get to see it all yeah. front end, back end. It's not a mystery what's happening. And uh, I think that's a really beautiful thing that happens under the fringe model um, because it invites people in and then allows for everybody, even just some random person who's like, well, I saw a brochure in my hotel and I'm going to come because I have nothing else to do tonight to, to step back and say, oh, how do I tell stories? Mm. Am I an artist too? Could I be part of a community like this? You know, and, and I think even if they don't do anything else with that thought, the thought is there. And now we're recognizing each other's stories in a much different sort of way. And I, I, I see that happening in the work that we do. And I saw it with this incredible team that you were asking about. And uh, that is just huge wins, you know, yeah. out of what's out of what's building here. It's so exciting. <laughs> so beautiful. I also got to chat with two of your summer students during the festival. So I'll add a clip of them chatting with me there. Okay, so hi, I'm here with uh, Gemma and taken. Awesome. Um, so can I get both of you to share what your role is at Fringe and how long have you been working here? Um, I feel like my role is kind of very flexible. I, I get placed in a lot of different roles. Uh, my primary role is the volunteer coordinator. So I'm just in charge of like all the volunteers. I send them all their schedules. I make sure that they know what they're supposed to be doing at any given time. But whenever something is needed, I'll step in and help. So right now I'm just doing box office. That's what I've been doing all day. Awesome. Yes. And how are you? And I've been here around a week, um, a month or so. And my role here is to um, this market and I'll sort emails and pictures of ticketing online. Okay, okay, awesome. Um, so what have you noticed about the impact that Fringe makes on the community? That's a good Part question. One. Yeah, this is making me think. Um, um, so I noticed that 
it can help artists around music, um, drama, acting to come along and just be part of something new. Definitely. Yeah, I think it like opens up a lot of new opportunities yeah. for people too. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of these artists I had never heard of before, like they performed, but after like listening to them and seeing their work, I really enjoyed it and I'll definitely be checking out some of their other work and I feel like that happened with a lot of other people too. And also it just gives opportunities for groups that may not have like the biggest platform yeah. usually like we had a lot of Native American artists and stuff and that was really great we had one guy like teaching different like um, words from his language it was awesome, awesome. Mm -hmm. so what has your favorite performance been this week probably suicide records yeah yeah I really like that suicide records and you I think I really liked the songs and puppetry. That was the one with the guy who was like teaching different language and stuff and he used puppets to do it and he had like the kids really involved. It was so cute. <laughs> and is there any that you're looking forward to at the end of today and tomorrow? Yes, I am super looking forward to, um, uh, let me see. Oh, House of Gore, right? House yes, that one and, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's um, by Afi, though. Oh, itinerary. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to the inevitable Frankie Green. Um, one of the guys that's putting it on also worked with us, oh, and his name's Garrett, and he's awesome. awesome. So I'm really looking forward to seeing like what he's been working on. Yeah. And yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you both for yeah. chatting with me. <laughs> Perfect. And also I chatted with a few people that just like, I've noticed they came to quite a few events. So I pulled them over to the side, asked them a few questions. So we'll add that in there too. So hi, I am here with... Leila. And Nima. Awesome. So you've been to a few performances this week. How many approximately have you been to? It was one, two, three, four. I guess this one is the fourth one that... Yeah. We participate in that and we are really glad this year because uh, the previous year we missed range almost. But this year I promised myself to be there at least for four or five shows. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so which performance are you coming down here right now to come see? Um, uh, so here I think uh, there is a um, there's an art. Uh, a friend of us uh, works here. Uh, Katie is having basically um, people over for um, for food uh, and we're here to, uh, to support her. Awesome, that's awesome. And will you be back next year? Of course we will be back and I guess next year there uh, will be lots of more fun activities, new ideas be uh, because people are getting used to participate in French events and yeah, yeah, it will be a great experience next year. Awesome. Same as this year, actually. Yeah. Thanks for coming out and thanks for talking with me. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for having us. <laughs> it's really, it's just, it's so beautiful seeing it all, all these tiny little pieces come and impact such a broad group of people in so many different ways. It's just, it's awesome. I also got to speak with um, JL Fizzle. She's a poet. 
um, after her performance. And that was a really beautiful uh, performance with her partner. So I pulled her over to the side and we had a little combo as well. Um, and we'll, we're planning on doing a full podcast episode with her. So I'm super excited to dive deeper into her creative form and her creative expression. you can introduce yourself for us and what your artistic craft is. For sure. So my name is Jess, but I publish as J.L. Fazell, which is a pen name my eight-year-old self picked out. And to kind of stay true to that theme, I used it. And um, yeah, so I write poetry inspired by Northern Ontario. And kind of my experience is up here. And I spend a lot of time out in nature kind of meditating on the trees and the rivers and kind of just see where those thoughts take me. That's beautiful. Is this your first time performing at Fringe? No. So, well, performing, yes, but not my first time at Fringe. I actually started out by chance about six, seven years ago where I was part of the Silverleaf Writers Guild and I came up as one of their featured authors. And then last year I did a workshop called Poetry, Finding Magic in the Mundane. Uh, so kind of teaching people how to use poetry to make romanticize their everyday life and kind of find the, the joy in living up here. That's awesome. And then this year I got to do uh, Northern Soul Exploring Our Wild Ways with uh, combining poetry and my fiance's music and photography from across Northern Ontario from photographers of all calibers. Um, I accepted anyone no matter where you're at to kind of showcase people's inspiration up here. That's beautiful. Yeah, thanks. That's beautiful. Awesome. Well, that's great. Thank you. I would like to ask like what the process is for artists to participate. How do they get involved? How do we, how do we, they join this? amazing organization. Great. Um, I love to talk about this piece because this also allows me to just celebrate the the incredible work that goes into building fringe festivals around the world. So when we come on as a fringe festival, there are a series of mandates that we have to uphold in order to be a fringe and not just an arts festival. And one of those mandates is around this piece. How do artists get involved? So there are no stipulations as far as how emerged you are, how professional you are, whether you've been doing anything before, you can be a brand new, never done it at all and trying something, or you can be super established and trying something different. Mm -hmm. Um, So for us, our applications open in January. And if you're applying to a fringe festival, no matter where you are in the world, there are two ways to do that. It's either through a lottery, which many of the bigger festivals do, or like we do, it's first come first served. And we just open up applications and literally anybody can apply. Anybody who feels that they have something to share, something to present. We've had the gamut of folks 
apply. Everybody from, yes, I know I'm a theater creator and I'm bringing theater to, I don't really know what my art form is, but I want to do something. Oh, I am actually a storyteller. Oh, I'm actually a dance performer. We've had puppetry come through. We have folks who do different kinds of busking and circus performance. We have folks who are visual artists um, presenting and then they get up and do an artist talk. And that was a piece that I really pushed when I would have people who said, oh, I create, you know, physical art. I'm not a performer. And I said, well, can you talk about it? There's your performance. And, and now suddenly they can be a slot at, at the fringe. And those are some of the stories I want people to think about too. So, you know, if you're out there and you're thinking, oh, that sounds really fun. And I kind of do this quirky thing on the side, you know, maybe it would be something I could share. There's a place for you at Fringe because we mean it when we invite that you come and tell your stories in your way. Yeah. It's not up to me to say who is an artist and who's not. And I really like to challenge and provoke the concepts that we collectively put around understanding who an artist is, who a creator is, who a storyteller is, because you can do that in so many different ways. And I, and I, think that the shifts that happened through COVID as people started to explore digital and multidisciplinary collaboration in a different sort of way are really blowing the doors off of these um, historic boxes that were like, oh, what type of art do you do? What discipline of art? And, and at Fringe North, we work really hard to try to make sure that artists of all kind of walks and experiences of all different types of artistic disciplines and creative paths can have a place at Fringe. So you talked about Jael Fazal. Um, she kind of grew up in Fringe as well and started offering a poetry writing workshop. She's like, well, that's not a show. I said, please come because how you create art is just as important a conversation as seeing the art in its created point. And I've invited folks, like we had some come in um, and present to work shots this year. And that was Garrett Carr and some other artists from Sudbury kind of area. And he said, oh, well, I, we don't have a, sh a show ready to do. I said, well, come and do a reading. Mm. Just read it where it's at. And then you can ask the audience, how did that work for you? Mm. And that's stuff I've seen at other fringes. So, you know, applications open in January. It's first come, first served. Anyone can apply. There's not an age restriction. There's not an experience restriction. There's not an ability restriction. We want to meet creators where they're at. And I, we truly stand behind what we invite, this provocation of you tell your stories in your way. Then our job, my job and Garrett's job and our team's job is to take that artistic idea and package it in a way, curate it in a way that it can be offered to an audience. And that's what we do at Fringe. We create the space, we put the lineup together, all those pieces of it so that an artist who knows, great, I have a show, perfect, can come in and have a professional experience. And an artist who doesn't know yet what kind of artist they are or what kind of performer, presenter they are, um, we can help them to shape some of that. And we have a few different paths through that, not the least of which is our Emerging Artists and Residency Program, which is all about that journey to get to the point of presenting at a Fringe Festival. That's awesome. So awesome. Um, so now I want to get back to just you and your favorite part of Fringe after all of like the hustle and bustle of events and all that stuff. What do you look back of at every single event and just makes your heart happy? 
Well, all of it. And I, you know, I love this question and I also kind of hate it because it's so hard to say just one thing. For me, fringe becomes the whole experience. Right. And it's it's that feeling I have when I come away from it, this like glow and motivation and excitement to keep doing it. But I can I can talk about a moment that encapsulated that for me. And it was after at the very end of the festival where we had, maybe there's two moments. The first night where we tried an opening ceremonies live for the first time where artists could come and do their artist pitches, which is a little teaser. The artist can come up and talk about who they are and why you should come see their show. And we sold out. And I was expecting to have in the room my team and the artists presenting and maybe some of their friends and family. And we stole that, sold out with standing room only. And it was people from community coming to support Fringe who were all so excited to connect with and engage with artists. And they all stuck around for hours through the whole program, through late into the evening, even when our evening show was kind of a weird delay happened with ending early on one thing and starting what felt late, even though it would have been on time if we hadn't ended early, you know, and there was just stuff going on and people hung out and talked to each other and picked up the program and looked at it. And for the first time, I could really see the energy of how a fringe should work where people come and they stay and they fringe all day and they take in all the shows and they see everything, even the things that they weren't sure they wanted to see. And, and I saw it on a, you know, kind of a micro experience on that Wednesday night. Um, so that right away made me start to be ready for this and be excited. And then fast forward to the very end of the, festival our last show on the Sunday night which also through we, we learned ticketing this year to do it ourselves for the first time and most of it went well but we oversold on the Sunday night so sorry <laughs> folks who had to stand I appreciate you um, <laughs> we were standing room only for that show also and it was packed and the artists did their amazing piece and then they offered an artist Q&A at the end of it every single person stayed in the room they did not want to leave. And then as they were leaving, there was another really beautiful event that had been happening outside all around food and fellowship. And those folks had just stuck around and stayed and brought their dessert over to our digital screen and watched somebody else's piece and were connecting with artists. And then out came this crowd from the, the show that had been happening inside. And they stood in the back parking lot for an hour and a half. And we were done at that point. There was no more programming, although I did put some digital stuff up. And they mingled with the audience from the other show that had been happening outside. And they mingled with the artists who were all around. And my team kind of panicked at me. And they said, oh, no, we don't have any programming. We should have planned stuff so that people had something to do because look at all these people. And I said, ah, this, this here is what should be happening right now. Because all of those folks came out and chatted with each other about what they had just experienced and took the program and looked at all the things that they had missed and talked about the shows that they had taken in and the artists that they had met. And this amazing energy was happening outside. And that's how I know what happened worked because people didn't wanna leave. And when you have your entire audience standing outside wanting to just continue to engage with yeah. each other about what resonated for them in the piece that they just saw, that, is fringe. That is the that is the community 
heartbeat of the arts and 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 that I saw it there you know and I saw it at the shows where people would come in and then happen to sit beside an artist who had another show happening and we're like oh okay I'll come take a chance on that and then their minds were blown and audiences coming to me and saying you know I never expected to see this caliber of work this quality of work even from artists who were like this is their very first experience even from artists who had never done anything outside of their own basement or you know putting stuff up for their family in the backyard even for artists who were re-emerging or re-discovering themselves as artists post-COVID um, and audiences were blown away. Yeah. I don't know how to capture this feeling, you know, yes. but it's, it's resonance and it's buoyancy and it's connection. And that is what the arts should do. Yeah. This is why I want Fringe to be something that supports artists in Sault Ste. Marie in Northern Ontario, I think that when people let themselves immerse into the arts, it might not be something you do all the time. You might go to the Greyhound games and find community that way and not ever think about going to see a play or an art exhibit or even music at a, you know, a pub somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, but when people take away the barrier that they we put up for ourselves, which is like, oh, I feel uncomfortable. It's not something I normally do. I'm not even interested in that. When they remove that yeah. for whatever got them there and then allow that immersion to happen, really beautiful things happen. And suddenly people are discovering community and discovering creativity in themselves through those connections that they never knew they had. Yeah. So impactful. I love it. I love it. I love it all. Um, last question, since you, it's probably a hard one, but since you are always around artists, you're an artist yourself, what advice would you give to young artists living in the North? Like just one thing that you love to tell people. Okay. Can I answer this in two parts? Yep. Of course. Um, the very first and most important thing is that your work is valuable and worth being valued. You deserve to be paid. You deserve recognition. You deserve a space to create. And don't ever stop feeling like your work is valuable, even in the times where it plateaus and you feel stagnant, even in those times, the lulls where your creativity needs to reform itself, even in those times where maybe you are working for free at a community level, find the ways to pay yourself. Mm. because you are worth it and your work is worth it. And just because you are here in Northern Ontario, it doesn't mean you are any less of an artist than anybody working on any other platform. And it doesn't mean that you don't deserve to work and create and live in a community that supports you because you do. And if I have advice, maybe I'll just share what kind of made me know I could do this. And this came from two really important mentors of mine, Loretta Durat and Wendy Hamilton. And okay, three, because Susan Barber, but all three of them, Wendy and Loretta gave me my first job in theater, running a summer camp, NOHFC grant, paying me to do theater. All three of them taught me that the arts are a profession mm. and that people who work in the arts deserve to be paid, can have a career and to just keep going and keep trying and to just do it and not be afraid of what parents say or friends say or community says it's worthy 
valuable, necessary work. And if you feel that you have stories to tell, if you feel creativity in you, you might not understand what it is yet, go for it and just do it. And find those pieces of community, find those mentors, those partners, those connection points for you. Find those places where you don't feel alone in your art, but don't give up because yeah. it's meaningful, meaningful work. Your work is so special. What you do and the message that you've shared with me today is just is so beautiful. I thank you so much for sharing and all your work and obviously spending time with me today and sharing everything you have. Um, so thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate this opportunity and, you know, just being able to talk about all of this. I understand it in different ways every time. Um, so thank you for what you do in capturing these stories. And I really appreciated our time together today. Thank you. Thank you so, so very much. <laughs> My absolute pleasure. I'm inspired. <laughs> Yay, I come to <laughs> <laughs> That was beautiful.